Welcome to my podcast, Man Made. It's admittedly a provocative title. It's meant to be. It captures my desire to be of service, to be a part of the movement, encouraging us all to hold men and boys in high esteem. In high esteem for who they are and for the important and different contributions that they make. My podcast will tackle head-on the negativity that has been and continues to be directed towards men. And each week I'll also be appreciating the act of a good man. And because I loved going to football matches as a young woman, I always start with, here we go, here we go, here we go. (laughs) And the title of this episode is Psychotherapy with Male Shame Part 4. In this final episode that focuses on psychotherapy with male shame, I'll be looking at the qualities that need to be present in the therapeutic environment if men are to feel okay enough about themselves and the therapist to do their psychological work. I'll also be redefining aggression in a way that I hope its encouragement will stop being taboo. I want to emphasise here that we can't process any of our life experiences if we're in the defence or survival states of shame or rage. We can only process experience when there's a degree of safety. In my experience, when there's a degree of safety, a person's body knows exactly what it needs to do at any given moment to heal itself and it will naturally do that. It follows then that the main tasks for therapists are firstly to maintain an optimal environment where the client feels a degree of safety and secondly to trust in the client's own natural healing process. Let's look more closely now at the qualities necessary for the environment to be optimal for doing the psychological work. Of course in any therapy We'd expect respect to be at the top of any list of requirements, and it is, but I just want to flesh this quality out a bit more. Along with respect for the humanity of a male client, there needs to be a respect for traditional masculinity. Traditional masculinity as an okay masculine identity, amongst other okay masculine identities. There needs to be respect for the inevitable strengths that he will have. And very importantly, respect for his version of events. So many male clients that I've worked with have not had their version of events believed. Often their story has been trumped by that of another person or agency. It's also important to respect a male client's preference for which of the elements, thinking, feeling and behaving, which we talked about in the last episode, that he uses to integrate his experience. And lastly, I think there needs to be a healthy respect for aggression. I'll come back to my definition of aggression shortly. So, other qualities that the therapist needs to offer are placing their attention exclusively on the client, allowing the content of the session to be led by the client, Allowing the pace of the session to be led by the client. Offering warmth. Offering validation in terms of recognising that a person or their feelings or their opinions are valid or worthwhile. A normalising of trauma, of rage, 
and shame, a curiosity, an expression of interest in the client, affirmation in the form of emotional support or encouragement, kindness, humour, and empathy in terms of the ability, or the attempt at least, to understand and share the feelings of the other person. And finally, there's the need for a gentle handling of vulnerability. And now I'd like to talk about aggression. This may sound controversial because of the assumption that aggression is associated with violence. But I think it's particularly important to welcome this phenomenon, which I don't associate with violence and which I'm going to say more about here. I looked up definitions of violence and aggression in the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. To my surprise, what I found were two remarkably similar and negative characterisations. Violence was defined as the use of physical force so as to injure, abuse, damage or destroy. Strong words indeed. And aggression was defined as forceful action, attacks and hostile, injurious or destructive behaviour. Similarly strong words. So, in the dictionary, and also, I would argue, within the discipline of psychology, aggression is perceived as a hostile process overlapping significantly with violence. Well, I'm going to differentiate here between aggression and violence and acknowledge its evolutionary and existential necessity, thereby placing it in a more positive light. To persuade you and add some credibility for my more positive definition of the word, I'd like to point out that the word aggression comes from the Latin verb aggredi, meaning to approach, attack or undertake. And when aggress was first used in the English language in the 16th century, it meant to approach. Not quite as threatening back then. I'm going to share with you Fritz and Laura Pearl's definition and then I'll share my own. Aggression is a biological function and an instrument that enables the very preservation of life and which regulates contact with the environment. Well, that's not too offensive. And now my understanding of aggression. It is indeed a force, but a force for good. Quite simply, I see it as the energy that powers our penetration of the world, the energy through which we make our unique presence felt, the energy that powers our assertiveness, our curiosity. It fuels our exploration of the world and our appetite for learning and mastery of things. Overall, I see aggression as a means to tackle things, to attain goals for ourselves, and to chase our dreams, and also to support others to achieve their goals and chase their dreams. Aggression is a means to protect ourselves and those we're responsible for, but it's bounded, executed with care and respect, and it doesn't harm or belittle another person. If we're not allowed our healthy aggression, it's my belief that we can't show up safely and fully in the world, can't have an impact in the world, can't build a meaningful life for ourselves and can't fully manifest our unique contribution in the world. Many of the clients I work with have never been allowed their aggression or have been conditioned out of it. 
They can be passive, too appeasing, pleasing or accommodating, which then gives rise to shame and rage. In my opinion, clients need to be helped to recover or discover their latent aggression to experience all the benefits of that, which will also benefit other people in their life. In my mind and vocabulary, aggression has a closer association with healthy anger. Indeed, I think it's the energy behind healthy anger. And again, in my mind and vocabulary, aggression has a closer association with healthy anger than it does with violence. Confusing aggression with violence limits a person's emergence and growth. Finally, I include an analysis of therapist practices that could undermine a positive outcome in psychotherapy for a male client. If the therapist were to hold a negative attitude towards traditional masculinity, if they didn't understand all the ways in which men go unacknowledged for their contribution to the world, all the ways in which they're taken for granted, or if they didn't understand that men experience many social disadvantages, if they don't take the time to build relationship and trust. It's never okay to rush a client along, but bearing in mind Alan Shaw's research, it's especially not okay to rush a male client. It's important for them to set the pace. It's not helpful if a therapist overestimates their male client's strength or underestimates his vulnerability. It's not helpful if they make problem behaviour the focus of the work rather than the issues that underlie the problem behaviour. It's a mistake to overemphasise the emotional component of the integrating process. It's not helpful if a therapist doesn't understand that. For a man, taking action or thinking things through may be more important than expressing emotion. I believe that some therapists lament, in the opposite way to Rex Harrison in the film My Fair Lady, why can't a man be more like a woman? Thinking that then they'd be okay. It's not helpful if the therapist lacks an empathic understanding of shame and rage as trauma behaviours or to think that men are in need of reconstruction, reprogramming or other forms of social engineering. Or if they don't understand that shame may come from many sources, so having too narrow a focus, for example, just from parents or caregivers. In conclusion to these four episodes, I want to reiterate that shame and rage behaviours have nothing to do with natural masculinity. They are human responses to trauma, experienced by everyone. They say nothing about masculinity per se. Secondly, I want to say that as therapists, we do men a great disservice if we're not aware of or turn a blind eye to the misandry, the low opinion of them that's embedded in our culture and if we turn a blind eye to the many social disadvantages that they experience. I refer you to a book written by William Collins, a prolific researcher and conference presenter on men's issues entitled The Empathy Gap, Male Disadvantages and the Mechanisms of Their Neglect. I'd also like to refer you to his website, The Empathy Gap. 
A penultimate point I'd like to make is that, of course, the psychotherapy work I do does not suit every man, just as it does not suit every woman. And also, some of the men I've been blessed to work with go on to complete their work with a male psychotherapist, which I'm really pleased about. A male friend of mine told me, I think a female psychotherapist can help a man to process his psychological injuries up to and including adolescence. But then, after that, he needs a male therapist to nurture his adult male self. I'm happy with that. Finally, everyone needs compassion for shame and rage issues, including men and boys. And now it's Good Guy of the Week. Drum roll, please. <laughs> <laughs> In July 2017, footballer Nick Sarula had been due to play his first pre-season friendly after being signed by Tottenham Hotspur, but a car crash left him in excruciating pain and with doctors saying he may never play again. For months, doctors tried to work out what the pain was. Nick said, It was very difficult to figure out. It just sort of affected the whole nervous system. Spurs whose academy he'd been with since he was a boy, let him go. Nick told Radio 1 Newsbeat, I went in for the meeting. I've never felt something like that. It was such a horrible day. I remember lying down, crying my eyes out and thinking, one day I want to prove everyone wrong. Sleepless nights followed because of the pain and running for even just a few minutes left Nick in agony. He remembers it as a dark and difficult time and a feeling that a superpower had been taken away from him. Doctors didn't know if the pain would ever go away and he spent a year with a sports injury rehabilitation clinic. Nick said it was about finding that inner strength and that he was thinking, these are the cards I've been dealt with. How am I going to react to it? Am I going to let the car crash define me and be the boy that could have made it? He'd been playing football from six years old and said it was all he ever wanted to do. So having it taken away from him was very, very hard to deal with. Earlier this month, a dream came true for Nick Sarula, now 21. He played in his seventh professional match for the League Two side, Crawley Town, in the third round of the FA Cup against Premier Team Leeds. During the match, he scored his first ever senior professional goal, hitting a powerful shot low into the far corner. In this match that stunned the football world, Crawley Town beat Leeds United 3-0. Following this win, Nick said his life and all the pain he'd suffered flashed before him in that goal-scoring moment. As he celebrated with his family, everyone was just crying, he said. They'd all shared my pain. It was a very special moment for us. I just felt very blessed to be able to be on the football pitch and doing what I love. Almost in tears, Nick said, it's nice I can show emotion in football and that people react to it positively. And if it inspires one person, I'm more than happy with that. He can look back now and gain strength from what happened. And he gave some advice to Newsbeat listeners. You don't know what's in store for you. Keep going. Keep plugging away. Keep trying. And finally, he said, if there's just one kid out there who's going through something similar, please don't give up. He got a hugely positive reaction online and I'd like to give him a hugely positive reaction here too for being a fine young men's role model. Applause, please.
Thank you, that man. Thank you. Thank you. Until next week, practice gratitude and compassion towards everyone and take care of everyone, including our men and boy folk.